0: So Good morning. morning. Thank you so much for the invitation to preach here. Floyd is a Welsh name. I don't know a word of Welsh, but take it from a Welshman. That was beautiful. Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and may the meditations of every heart be acceptable and pleasing to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. (laughs) So there was crying on the other end of the line. I had answered the phone because it said my best friend Beth was calling. And I said, what's wrong? She said, I've been in a three-hour worship committee meeting. And at the end of it, all we decided was, if a church member dies, they will receive at their reception... A cheese tray and a meat. If a non-member dies, only a cheese tray. Being the horrible friend that I am, I said, what kind of meat? This was the first called position for my friend Beth, who is a woman of great talents and gifts and insight and wisdom. And the committee had focused instead on her gifts and asked, what can we afford? What would be proper? What would be most convenient? And how can we set rules for others to follow? Lest the dreaded slippery slope of cheese trays and salted meats gives way to tapenades and crudité of every kind. It always begins with good intentions. But then what creeps in can go horribly wrong. A reading from God, uh, John's Gospel. I have edited it a little bit to honor our Jewish friends. Since it was almost Passover, Jesus, being a Jew, went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found people selling cattle, sheep, And doves and the money changers seated at their tables making a whip out of cords he drove them all out of the temple even the sheep and cattle he also poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables he told those who were selling the doves take these things out of here stop turning God's house into a marketplace And the disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house consumes me. The temple authorities then said to him, what sign can you show us to justify what you've done? And Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. They said, this temple has been under construction for 46 years, and you will raise it up in three days. But he was speaking of the temple of his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this. And they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God endures forever. So this morning I bring you greetings from Calvary Presbyterian Church. Joanne Lee and I send special greetings to you. We are currently the acting co-heads of staff, as Jeff said. What that means, we're not quite sure, but we take the blame. And uh, we are in the time of transition at Calvary and we covet your prayers. Thank you to Jeff for inviting me, and I would be remiss if I did not thank my husband, Lou, who puts up with me and supports my church habit. He has uh, endured a lot, and um, for Calvary, this is the first time in 165 years there is no pastor's wife. It's a big day. So, can we just begin by agreeing that I got the booby prize of gospel readings for today? (laughs) Rambo Jesus, where is the love in this? Although you did not hear me preach last week, I'm going to start where I left off about talking about the students from Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida. Did you know that the woman for whom the school was named lived to be 108 years old? She led a life of change and inspiring change in the world around her. And these are her words. Speak up. Learn to talk clearly and forcefully in public. Speak simply and not too long at a time, without over emotion, always from sound preparation and knowledge. Be a nuisance when it counts but don't be a bore at any time. Do your part to inform and stimulate the public to join your action and get depressed. Be depressed and discouraged and disappointed at failure and at the disheartening effects of ignorance, greed, corruption, and bad politics, but never give up. The words of the woman for whom a school was named where all of our attention has been focused. How much more does the Holy Spirit have to beat us over the head? (laughs) Had Janie Spar and Chris Glaser and others not been nuisances in the Presbyterian church, I would not be standing here. We have to overturn a few tables on our way to loving one another, it turns out. about this story today. It seems like the Gospel of John has little in common with the other three. The other Gospels record the cleansing of the temple toward the end of Jesus' public ministry, but not John. John places it squarely between the wedding at Cana, where water is turned to wine, and the story of Nicodemus, the powerful religious leader who comes to Jesus under stealth of night. Rather than setting in motion the events of Holy Week, that's how I know this story usually, being a church musician for 25 years, it's usually Palm Sunday, then the cleansing of the temple, and well, that's why he got in trouble, and then it leads to the, to the crucifixion. But that's not how it is in today's reading. In John, this story is a rite of passage, the moment when Jesus steps into the public square and comes out, as a nuisance rather than rambo perhaps jesus is more like francis mcdermott in three billboards outside ebbing missouri have you seen this movie it's a difficult movie obnoxious she is for the sake of the truth for love she is a nuisance she's unpleasant and out of control So buying pure, sacrificial animals using temple currency, says Jesus, really has nothing to do with loving God, loving our neighbors, and loving ourselves. Now, I do not agree with Jesus' tactics, and were I to do this, I would be fired and sent to an anger management plan. But perhaps this story is one we must wrestle with to get woke on matters of life and death. Or in the words of Marjorie Stoneman, willful ignorance, greed, corruption, and bad politics. This week I demonstrated in front of the ICE headquarters. We were not violent, but the reporters were hoping we would be. We would have gotten more publicity had we been. One reporter asked me a very pointed question, trying to get me to step in it on TV. And I responded like a true Presbyterian. I said, I wish we would just be calmer about this whole discussion. I wonder what table-turning Jesus would have said to me right then. I would like to ask Jesus, when I meet him, to share his reflections on turning the tables and driving out worshipers and merchants and livestock wielding a whip. making a whip out of cords he drove them out of the temple even the sheep and the cattle out of the temple over at calvary we have some really beautiful stained glass windows that tell the life of jesus they're just gorgeous and the ones on the jackson street side we've recently had kind of refurbished and restored they are treasures from the past Beautiful Victorian art. During the week, when I get overworked up, I go into the sanctuary and I sit there and I look at those windows, and it finally dawned on me according to these icons around me, Jesus rarely went to church. He's always out in the world helping people. There's a beautiful picture of Mary and Martha with Martha overfunctioning in the kitchen and Mary sitting googly-eyed looking at him. And there's a dog under the, stained glass dog, under Jesus, <laughs> under Jesus' seat. It is just gorgeous. I love that window. There's another of him knocking on the door and no one answers. And I always wonder, are they just not at home? Are they pretending not to be home? Do they eventually open the door? There's another of him ascending into heaven, the bodily ascension. I suddenly realized that he'd rather do anything than go to church. Rather fly into space without a suit? Like the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas. Thing, this is the Holy Spirit beating me over the head. That the ministry of Christ is outside the walls of the church. Of course we come here to get fed and to worship God and to say thank you for this life. But we're called to exceed the church if we are to serve Jesus. So out of the pews and into the streets. That's what we're doing on the 24th and marching for an end to violence, especially against children in schools. The zeal for your house will consume me. says the disciples remembered that when Jesus lost it in the temple. It's from Psalm 69. A song that they all knew. Zeal for your house consumes me. Dominican theologian Richard Ownsworth puts it this way. Without the sellers of animals for sacrifice, animals that were gathered and guaranteed to be acceptable according to the law of Moses, there could be no sacrifices. Good intentions. Without the money changers taking the unacceptable Roman coins and turning them into Tyrian shekels, no one could offer money to the treasury or pay the temple tax, the per capita. That every Jew took pride in paying. In other words, Jesus is not trying to get rid of a few corrupt practices that have crept in to mar something he basically approves of. He is trying to put a stop to the whole thing. And this is because Jesus brings in his own body the fulfillment of the prophecy of Zechariah which says, there shall no longer be a traitor in the house of the Lord on that day. There shall no longer be a traitor in the house of the Lord on that day, for everything in the world is made sacred on that day. On what day? On the day of God, on the day when God is revealed as sovereign over all the people over all the cosmos, when all the factions and nations and tribes gather as one, and living waters flow out from Jerusalem. On that day, who needs a building? On that day, says Revelation, there will be no more church. There will only be God. On that day, there is only love and life. 25 years as a musician, Lou says that if I sing, you'll forgive my preaching. So I want to share with you a song that comes from outside the walls of the church. A song that for me encapsulates how I experience the Prince of Peace and how I am confronted and corrected. A song from out there.